Welcome to Disciple Making Over Lunch, a podcast discussing the ideas and practices of making disciples of Jesus. We believe the best conversations happen over food. So grab your lunch and join us as we discuss how to have and help others have a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. This is Disciple Making Over Lunch. Hello, welcome to Disciple Making Over Lunch the Disciple Making Podcast put together by the DDMT of the NED of the CMA. And if that's not enough uh, three-letter acronyms for you, then give you a little bit more research later. My name is PJ Boganievsky, and I serve as the pastor of discipleship at the Auburn Alliance Church. I'm here with Danish House and Brian French, and we're pretty excited about coming back to a part two uh, podcast of... um, well, a very powerful conversation that has to do with stuff that sometimes we talk about in church, but I feel like a lot of times we just spin our wheels and never get a lot of traction, but definitely is not the case in this conversation. What do you think, Danish? Yeah, I, this was a lot of fun to have this conversation. My conversation was with Jay Stringer, and uh, I really enjoyed talking with Jay. I mean, I, I, it was actually, in some ways, uh, he was like he's looking to my soul. At some points, I felt like I was in counseling myself. But it was it was great to have the I mean insights into very important issues for the church today. Um, so I'm yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing part two with you guys. And that's right. If you did miss part one, uh, you can grab that episode and then come on back here. A lot of things were set up about uh, how uh, these um, attractions and desires do affect us and how they come in from our history. So if you missed that. Uh, you need to have that background and then you can jump right into part two, sort of the practical steps on where to move forward from here. Uh, don't worry. We're just going to wait right here. We'll wait for you. Go ahead. We're waiting. Are you back yet? <laughs> oh, good. You're back. Hey, welcome back. Glad you heard to listen to this part one. Uh, yeah. So Jay Stringer is a licensed mental health counselor and ordained minister living in Seattle, Washington. His book is Unwanted. How Sexual Brokenness Reveals Our Way to Healing. In this part, he'll be talking a little bit about some of the practical things that we can do um, to uh, work our way through uh, unwanted sexual behavior. He'll also be talking about some of the resources that he's been working on uh, that are helpful to people in the church and people outside the church uh, in these matters. So I'm looking forward to jumping in here to part two. I remember, I mean, I don't know, maybe... 15 years ago, um, I was talking with a, a Christian leader and we were talking about sexual brokenness. We were talking about uh, other sorts of addiction. And his, his uh, response was, you know, those people are just weak, right? Those are just weak people. Um, and I remember uh, my, my heart just, you know, sank into my toes. Uh, when you think about people who are struggling with sexual brokenness, do you see them as primarily being weak people who just don't have enough willpower? To make it through? <laughs> um, no, I do not. <laughs> so, I, it, it, so part of what my research looked at was kind of what what was the story that someone was bringing into their sexual brokenness, mm-hmm. and you know, part of what we saw was that there was uh, just something like family systems and formative trauma. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I can address things from the past and then eventually you and I can talk about what's going on in people's present day life. But um, so if we took sexual abuse first, like when you think about a seven-year-old, an eight-year-old, maybe a middle schooler, 
that has known some type of sexual abuse or maybe the introduction of pornography, uh, especially as men, we tend to think that we just randomly discovered porn. But when mm. you think about, well, what was the context of actually finding that porn? Was that uh, in your dad's garage? Was that mm. in your uncle's, you know, uh, basement? Uh, was that an older peer down the street that began to show you that first pornography? What's happening there is that it's actually setting a sexual template for what you find arousing. Mm. Uh, so a lot of times when people first begin to kind of look at the, their introduction to porn or the first sexual experience that they went through, they might find that it actually meets some of the criteria of sexual abuse. And so what often ends up happening is that people reenact some of those same patterns much later in life. And so the only thing that they're aware of is that they are sexually broken, but mm. they're not aware of some of the kind of the neurochemicals of abuse that actually started from long ago. Mm. Uh, simultaneously, you know, part of Patrick Carnes's research is that he found that about 87% of people struggling with sexual brokenness uh, come from a very disengaged family system. Mm. Uh, and so that's really the sense of like care is overlooked in your family. So, you know, we were talking last episode, Danish, about like middle school is often a prototype of hell. You get, you get <laughs> uh, it, 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 people name call you, uh, you fail algebra, uh, people are cruel. And so that sense of when you returned home, uh, it, was there a, a mom, a dad that actually saw your face, that could see some of the heartache, that actually engaged some of the difficulties you were facing? Or did your mom care too much about how clean the house was? Did your dad abdicate his emotional responsibility to his wife and left you on the hook to kind of care for your mom? Yeah. Uh, and so when you begin to look back at the, you know, a lot of your life, uh, there, there's a lot of abandonment. There's a lot of kind of feeling like I, I, there is no care for me. And so some of those first initial experiences that we have with porn or hooking up with someone are actually some of the first connections, some of the first pleasure, some of the first locking of eyes uh, that we've ever experienced in life. And yet, as we all know so well, some of those things that we begin to first lean on outside, you know, east of Eden end up compounding the plot so much more for our lives. And so I think much to what the pastor you were referring to earlier mm -hmm. is talking about, I, I think I look at so many men and women who come into my office as people who are profoundly gifted, mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time uh, have been through a lot of abuse, a lot of neglect, mm -hmm. uh, and have outsourced, have learned to outsource that initial feelings of comfort, initial feeling of connection to something that is really unsustainable for, yeah. for life. So Jay, uh, it is uh, the role of a professional counselor is critical. Um, but you know, let's say that we're talking, uh, our audience here in disciple making over lunch is primarily Christian leaders, pastors, how can pastors and other Christian leaders help a person who's struggling with unwanted sexual behavior to find freedom? Yes. So uh, this is probably the most practical thing that I, <laughs> I do in my ministry. So what we know is that about 90% of churches do not have a ministry to address sexual brokenness. Mm. Uh, and I'm certainly not under the persuasion that you need to start a ministry for that. Okay. Um, but, it, it, you know, if you were to kind of say, it's, 
two thirds of men in your church uh, were dealing with cirrhosis of the liver from drinking, and you didn't at all address <laughs> drinking substance abuse uh, from the pulpit from kind of a, a day in and day out, how could you possibly get away with that? Mm. And so what we know is a third of all pornography users are now women. Uh, we know mm. that about two thirds of church going men are dealing with uh, you know, pornography issues. A third of all marriages in our congregation will be impacted by infidelity. Uh, so I, I think part of what I would say to that pastor, to that leader is what is the cost of your silence within mm -hmm. your congregation? Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, this is going to sound a little bit biased, but I, what my ministry has been doing is to kind of build resources for the church to change the conversation. So I'm uh, going to talk about two resources in addition to unwanted. One would be uh, I have a what's called an unwanted sexual behavior self-assessment. Uh, and that's about 160 questions. It's available on my website, which is jay-stringer.com. And then there's a tab for a self-assessment. Uh, and, and a lot of times what ends up happening when you're first in a pastoral counseling situation, or you're recognizing that as a pastor, you have some sexual brokenness that never got addressed. Uh, people often wonder, where do I even begin? Or mm. some people are saying, I've tried everything and nothing seems to be helping. Uh, I created the self-assessment based on all the research that I did that actually uh, gives you compass headings about what is contributing to your sexual brokenness from the past, but also mm. from the present. So what I would say is until those themes are identified and transformed, you will not be able to find freedom from sexual brokenness. So mm. uh, this assessment helps get into the particulars of your sexual fantasies, the wounds of your past and the roadblocks that you're experiencing in the present. So just understand that as like a type of roadmap of here's, here's the path forward. Uh, so that would be the assessment. Uh, and then the other thing would be, I built an online course with the film, uh, The Heart of Man. And so this is a 18 week uh, deep dive into your study that a lot of churches across the country are using as a small group curriculum or a men's curriculum or a women's curriculum. And what this is designed to do is to actually invite people to see the connections between their sexual brokenness and their life story. Mm. Uh, so it goes through uh, portions of unwanted, it's built around the assessment as well. And part of what we're hearing from pastors, church leaders, even professional therapists is that this curriculum has actually done more for men and women in their church than almost any other they've been through. Oh, wow. So I know I'm, I'm tooting <laughs> my ministry's horn here, but we, uh, we've seen and heard just phenomenal stories of people going through this curriculum. And, and I think part of Part of what I what I keep finding across the country, really across the world, is people are hungry for a new conversation on sexual brokenness. I find yeah. that you know, people over 45 are scared to death to talk about it. Yeah. And often the millennials are so tired of talking about it that they have subject fatigue. <laughs> um, but what what so many people love about unwanted and kind of just this approach is that it, it allows them to be really curious about their sexual fantasies about the path that got them there and and really to consider what they want out of their life. So if you're a pastor, if you're a leader and you know men or women that are struggling, uh, there's a curriculum that exists and we would love to have you join.
Well, that's fantastic. Um, the website is j-stringer.com. Yes. Um, or the, you can find the online course on that website or there's its own link, which is heartofmanjourney.com. Um, and outside of those resources, I, I think part of what I would also say from a practical standpoint is, you know, it, it, part of the role of the church leader isn't necessarily to do all the pastoral counseling, but you can at least begin to talk about these issues from a from the pulpit. So again, yeah. if you're speaking on Second Samuel 13, uh, the rape of Tamar, and you're not addressing that from an issue of sexual abuse occurs in family systems, and there's cover up, and here's the debris that a family that a that a that a person has to go through. Uh, you haven't made the connection to bring the text into the person's mm. life that is actually yeah. listening. Or, you know, Matthew 5, when Jesus says, you know, it, all of us are adulterers and murderers. Uh, a lot of times we think about it in terms of, yeah, if you lust, you commit adultery. But part of what Jesus is also saying is if you are angry against someone, you're also guilty of murder. And so, mm how much of sexual brokenness is actually also driven from uh, anger. So James 4 talks about, you know, we want something, but we can't get it. And so what do we do? We kill. Mm. <laughs> um, and so when you think about, is that is that curriculum woven into your premarital counseling of, you know, husband or wife, you're going to want sex with your husband, emotional vulnerability from your husband or wife. And then when you don't get what you desire, you, you're going to kill them. Uh, mm. And so that that's some way. That, yeah. Yes, in some way. Um, and so that that kind of invitation to kind of as you preach and you get into the text, are you actually intersecting uh, someone's sexual life and sexual story uh, into that sermon? And if you're not, you're not going to create safety for your congregation to talk about it. So, you know, I hear yeah. a lot of sermons and pastors talk about, well, I was so angry that I I put up my middle finger in traffic and the whole congregation laughs. But that's yeah. the depth of the vulnerability that the that the congregation's going to feel comfortable going into that next week. So, what a pastor models is super important. Uh, and uh, that's one of the things that I've been working on as a pastor. But I got to tell you, self-disclosure, transparency as a pastor, and I know that if you're a pastor or a ministry leader who's listening to this, you know that it's, it's a challenging thing because for a lot of pastors, um, I think the idea of being transparent, it carries with it the risk of losing your job or the risk yes. of people looking at you as weak or looking at you as, oh, you know, this pastor struggles with anger to such a great degree that they shouldn't be our pastor. That that's yeah. a there's a lot of pressure that's on a pastor to present a a perfect facade or or as you say sort of um uh minor imperfections that people can laugh at picadillos. Um but all of us have things that are going on in our lives that nobody would laugh at. Yes. You know? Exactly. That isn't yeah. just a joke but it is something that we seriously wrestle with and Jesus needs to seriously do some work in our hearts. Yes. Um, so transparency can be dangerous, but as you say, yes. without it, uh, your people aren't going to be free. Yeah. And I think that that's, I mean, I, I, I sincerely think that being a pastor is probably the most difficult job on the planet. When you begin to think about the amount of complexity that you have to deal with, the amount of isolation, the amount of even just, it, 
salary that most pastors are dealing with creates uh, in many ways the neurobiology of addiction for mm. pastors where uh, you know, you're isolated, you're powerless, uh, but you also have some sense of power. And so it's that kind of very confusing place of people want so much from me. And yet I, I don't have the ability to move the congregation into the directions that I would love to see us take place. Um, and so I think that that really becomes the importance of, you know, a pastor's own counseling or certainly mm -hmm. maybe good, good friends, allies, uh, elders that you really trust to be able to say, you know, I'm not quite ready to speak on uh, anger as it relates to marriages. But I but I also know that I, I've taken off my wedding ring two or three times this past year uh, and just thrown it down because I don't want to be married. Uh, mm -hmm. There's something so difficult about having to confront myself, confront my spouse. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I need counsel. I need prayer. I need comfort with regard to having integrity with these things. Mm -hmm. And I think a year, two years later, if you have integrity and confront the heartaches and difficulties of your life, uh, you're going to be seasoned in, in order to kind of talk about things that happened years ago. But I think what happens to most people as pastors is that they suppress what's most true mm. and then try and pray the things away or just hope that more scripture reading godliness will take care of it. Mm. Um, and it just doesn't. We, we need another face uh, to begin to hear us to be able to kind of reflect back what they're hearing. So uh, we, we just can't have integrity if we're not facing the problems in our life. And I don't think that that means you just start preaching on a topic that you're struggling with yourself. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Pursue your own pursue counseling. friendship. Yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. So doubtless, there's uh, many people who are listening to this podcast who personally struggle with unwanted sexual behavior or who someone they love uh, struggles with unwanted sexual behavior. If you had just one thing to say to uh, folks in those situations, what would you want to say? Uh, what what do they need to hear? the thought that's coming to me right now is just be super curious about mm. your sexual brokenness. That shame uh, is a merciless storyteller and it will always narrate our life, our brokenness to kind of these extremes of, you know, I am the worst person that's ever <laughs> existed yeah, on yeah, the planet yeah. or the sense of, you know, almost shamelessness of I, I, I'm going to be okay. It's not that big of an issue. Uh, but if you can be curious uh, and allow something of uh, kindness, the kindness of God to begin to permeate your life, you will be in a very different place. So I, I think most of what I find is people make a lot of New Year's resolutions. Uh, they make a lot of kind of prayers to hopefully get this thorn out of their flesh Uh taken out. Um, but how many of us have actually asked God to help us to understand our sexual sin? Mm. Uh, we usually ask for conviction, but not always a sense of curiosity and comfort for what we're going through. So uh, please be kind, please be curious mm. as you as you engage these matters of your heart, because you just don't know what stories you're going to find. Sometimes sexual brokenness uh, covers up a lot of underlying heartache uh, that we would prefer not to deal with. Yeah. I know for me, uh, the, there were words for a long time. There were words that held uh, tremendous power in my life. And I heard them in my mind every time. Like you said, 
Shame can be a, an unrelenting uh, taskmaster. Uh, one of the <laughs> words actually was the word unwanted. And I, so when I saw the title of your book, it really drew me in. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, those are things that we don't, I, mean, I always tell people, you know, there is hope, uh, in these things, but there's, there isn't hope alone. I mean, you, 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 you won't, you won't find hope if you're trying to deal with this alone, you need somebody to talk to. And, um, I, I'll say that in my ministry, one of the most powerful things that I've found that I can do is to, to look someone in the eye who's struggling and really look them in the eye and tell them. I love you and I'm not ashamed of you. And, uh, and that's, I, I found it has often been the beginning of, uh, of a journey of healing where, when they know that they can talk about the things that are, they're struggling with and find in you, not rejection and not, um, not shame, uh, but find, uh, acceptance and welcome and, and healing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So beautiful. And the, yeah. the, the, you, one of the things that I, 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 we're we're getting along here, and I and I apologize, but I, this has to it has to be. We have to talk about this. Uh, frankly, <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast, get the book, read the book. Um, there's so much that we're not going to be able to cover that's in the book. But one of the things that sort of was the the biggest, I don't know, kick in the head for me uh, in in the book is uh, this idea of accountability um, and accountability as it was a sort of a Christian mantra for decades. Um, and, uh, you have very strong words about accountability as, as a phenomenon or as, as a, <laughs> a, a sort of, you know, improper accountability. Um, uh, what's the alternative? I mean, why, why do you describe accountability as not sufficient? And what would you say is the alternative? Well, I think so much of uh, Christian accountability is a type of Christian voyeurism, Christian mm -hmm. surveillance on people's lives. And so, oh. you know you it's a policing state where it's like you know if i'm an authority then i keep checking in on did you look at porn did you masturbate and again how is your desire supposed to grow to keep meeting with an accountability partner when it's basically this is how screwed up you are um uh, gotta, it's gotta you know, be terrible right it's terrible um and so what my research looked at is was that even effective and what we found was that there is a 22 percent reduction insignificant porn viewing if you had a traditional accountability partner or less management. So okay. reduced porn viewing by about 22%, but it left the great majority of people still struggling with unwanted sexual behavior. So we know from the research that it's not enough. Um, and so I think the alternative is really, a, it's a story-based approach to be able to kind of get a sense of what's the story that you're bringing into your sexual brokenness. So, I mean, Danish, what you've modeled, right, is, I mean, you've told listeners, uh, part of your core belief is unwanted. We, we mm. talked about, uh, you know, just those words of donut that have been mm. marred into us. Uh, that's part of the story that we bring into all forms of brokenness is that there's something in me that feels unwanted. And then I go and pursue behaviors that confirm it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm all for friendship. I'm all for accountability. But if, you know, if I'm your accountability partner, Danish, I'm not, I'm not asking you to have integrity with porn first. I'm asking you mm -hmm. first to have integrity to what have you done with the face of that boy who has experienced so much cruelty? Uh, how are you bringing him comfort? How are you bringing emotional maturity to, to a boy has, who has been humiliated? And so most of us as men who have been humiliated, well, what do we seek out? 
torn where it might look consensual, but far more, it's about being able to have power, the ability to humiliate, to be able to degrade another human body. And so well, where does all that come from? It's not just because I, I'm lusting. It's also because I have unresolved stories of humiliation that have marked my life, trauma, mm -hmm. abuse. Uh, and if I don't have integrity with those stories, there's no way in literally hell I'm going to be able to have integrity with my sexual story. Mm -hmm. So uh, I love friendship. I love accountability. Um, but let's have better conversations because that sense of, right. You know, it is for freedom that we have been set free. It's not just right. freedom from not surveillance. Sexual, yeah, it's not just freedom from sexual brokenness. It's being able to kind of accompany other people and say, what is your freedom for? If you were not so sidelined by the attack of the enemy and your own shame to feel unwanted, what would you be free to do? And so one of my kind of friends, mentor, uh, Dr. Kurt Thompson, just talks about you know, with regard to shame, he says that shame isn't just some, you know, response to make us feel bad about ourselves. It's one of the primary tools that uh, I, I think you would say evil uses to destroy our creativity. Mm. Um, and so I think that's part of the recovery process is it's not just saying no to porn. It, it's being able to say, this is where I want to go with creativity. Yeah. You got to figure, figure out what you're going to say yes to. Yes. Not just what you're going to exactly. say no to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Jay, I, I, I really, I wish I, we could talk forever. I mean, I, I really enjoying this conversation and <laughs> yeah. uh, our, our, our shtick here is it's disciple making over lunch. So the idea is we'll, we'll give folks half an hour conversation to listen to. And this has been a real blessing. And thank you so much, Jay, for being with me, with us here on disciple making over lunch. I do want to say to our listeners that I just remind you that uh, Jay's website is j-stringer.com. He's got a self-assessment on there. Uh, that you can take. He's also got an online course called The Heart of Man Journey. Uh, it's an 18-week deep dive course. Um, definitely check that out. And the book that we're talking about today has been Unwanted, uh, How Sexual Brokenness Reveals Our Way to Healing from Nav Press. Uh, tremendous book has helped me and has helped many of my congregation members as well. Jay, thank you so much for being with us today. Danish, thank you for having me for lunch. <laughs> Wow, what a powerful interview. That's some stuff that oftentimes we don't talk about in church, or when we do talk about it in church, it just kind of feels like we're spinning our wheels and going over the same stuff over and over again. But I think that Jay has given us some information to gain some traction and to move forward. What do you think, Brian? Yeah, I, I was really blown away by the statistics of how pervasive pornography is, and even in congregations, those statistics he talked about where one third of pornography users are, are women and that two thirds of church going men struggle with porn. I figured the uh, number for males was high. I didn't know it was that high uh, in, for surveyed females. And then one third of marriages being impacted by infidelity in our congregations is really staggering. It means that uh, churches, church pastors and leaders need to be addressing this somehow. Danish, what are your thoughts? Just springboarding off of that, I mean, as 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 preachers, you know, we're looking at passages of scripture, and uh, if if we don't, we need to have sexual brokenness as sort of a category or a theater of application in our preaching. When we're looking at different passages, we need to apply the word to this area of of existence because it's such a widespread and difficult topic 
Uh, how about you, PJ? What, what was it that stood out to you? You know, when Jay said that we ask for conviction, but we don't ask for answers, we're not curious to find out what is causing our addiction or our sin. And that was just like a green light on for yeah. me that oftentimes we, we just want to deal with the sin, but we don't, we're, we don't become curious to find out what's causing the sin to just get to the base of it. And Danish, you know, I really loved your point about being able to look someone in the eye and tell them that you love them and you accept them even after you know what they're struggling with. I mean, that, that's so powerful for you to convey that kind of love and acceptance with people, even in the midst of those difficult counseling situations. Yeah. So thank you for joining us for part two of Danish's interview with Jay Stringer. And thank you for joining us on Disciple Making Over Lunch. We would invite you to subscribe on your favorite, favorite podcast engine. Leave a comment there. We'd love to hear from you. And speaking of hearing from you, we are part of the Northeastern District of the Christian and Missionary Alliance Disciple Making Team. We affectionately call ourselves the DDMT. And the DDMT offers support and resources to help equip leaders of children, youth, and adult ministries in the area of disciple making. We'd love to connect with you and know how we can help you, support you, and pray for you as you are disciple making others. You can reach us at NED for Northeastern District, CMA for Christian Missionary Alliance.org. NEDCMA.org is where you can contact us. Until next time, my name is Brian. My name is Danish. And I'm PJ. And this has been Disciple Making Over Lunch.